All right, everyone. Hope you brought your geek because it's time to get it on. Aloha, triathletes. Welcome to another edition of Get Your Geek On, the podcast designed to get y'all geeked up about the sport of triathlon, whether you're an Ironman veteran or just thinking about doing your first sprint triathlon. That's right. So if you're willing to sacrifice or something that's greater than you, you've come to the right place. I'm the Tri-Geek Kahuna, podcasting from the Tri-Geek Dreams Labs in the OC, Orange County, California. And so is Iron Will coming to you from the Midwest, from the Through the Wall World Headquarters. Iron Will, how are you doing this week? I'm doing okay. I hope my voice um, holds up for the show. It's kind of on its way out. So. Well, you're you're a triathlete, so you're gonna. Yeah, I know you're gonna make it through <laughs> to the finish. <laughs> How's your training going this week? Oh, this week it's going to rock because it is spring break, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And, and you're it's... you're a teacher for those who you who don't know. Yeah, and it's supposed to be. So sunny and nice, and uh, maybe a little rainy, but that's okay because I'm I'm all about the the rain. So uh, yeah, it's I'm very much looking forward to this week. So I'm gonna ride a lot. Wait, which is gonna be your longest ride? I'm probably gonna try to do four hour ride this uh, spring break. So. And take me through when you do a four hour ride ride in the Midwest. Are you going through? Um... <laughs> This isn't going to be good. Whatever you yeah, ask me is not going to be good. Do you go good. by like, Green Acres and stuff? <laughs> what's, what's, uh, where do you I go? go, yeah. We have, I have this route that um, there. I counted last time I went, and there were like 14 farms. Wow. And uh, I was so excited because there was this one farm, and there was a baby horse, like a colt over there. Oh, man, I, it was all I could do to... Uh, stay on my bike I almost got off to go pet him and um, I thought that the farmer would probably yell at me so I said "Eh, no (laughs) but uh so but that was only a two-hour ride so I'm gonna double that so I'll I'll pass you know quite a few more farms is it is it flat or is it uh hilly no no it's we've got there's some pretty good rollers up here so um probably head up uh into Michigan and they've got some They've got some nice hills up there, so um, I definitely have to bring my cell phone <laughs> in case I get lost or something. But uh, so it's going to be a good ride. And are the roads, um, do they have bike lanes, or are they just wide, or are you just risk it? Um, it's, no, they're, they're, I guess they're highway, but they're kind of, um, I mean, it's Michigan, so, you know, nobody's up there. Right. Uh, they're kind of, you know, the old farm roads and, and that kind of thing. So, uh, no, it's it's pretty pretty low traffic, a lot of wooded um, big tree areas and stuff, so it's really pretty, especially in the fall to go riding by them. Oh, the, how the, nice! Yeah, the trees are starting to finally get some buds on them and everything now, so uh-huh. uh, it's it's gonna be. I'm excited. It's gonna be great. How's your training going? Good. You know, um, this week was a little bit of a rest week, so it was fine. I just sort of got um, got rested up and did some good did some. Good workouts. So my, uh, I've always had some some calf problems, and and uh, through time off and just stretching the heck out of them, um, everything's good so far. So I'm excited about that. I just got a new pair of shoes, biking shoes. Um, oh. How do you say it? Is it CD? CD? CD. 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 Yeah. I got. Um, they make extra wide shoes. I've got. Um, I got big feet. Ironwell. <laughs> really wide feet. <laughs> And you know what that means? 
<laughs> you have really big shoes. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, it means that my my uh, shoes are, are were too tight. And uh, oh. <laughs> the trick question for you. And um, and I and I pinched my nerves and my feet because it was um, I didn't rea- I didn't really realize it. So I've got. Uh, um, so it was still really hurting. So I had to go to um, a, a very expensive, and they're so nice, but uh, they're called the Mega Mega Genius. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, um, um, so anyway, that's uh, <laughs> so I got the right shoes for my feet, and uh, I'm going to go for a long bike ride. I, I might mirror. Um, we're going to call. This this show is all about. Um, or mostly about uh, the legendary wildflower uh, half Ironman race out in California, and I'm doing it for the second time on May, ugh, I think it's May 4th or 5th, and um, maybe May 6th. And uh, this this race, we talked about it a little bit before, but it's it's a um, beautiful race on um, up in Central California on a lake, and there, it's incredibly the, the lake's sort of one of those lakes that's sort of down in a crater kind of kind of and all around it are these these rolling fairly steep hills and so the the bike ride and the run is just hellacious because it's it's yeah. uh um there's one at mile um it's like a mile 42 of the bike ride there's a 2 mile um climb that's called nasty grade and you're oh you're in the lowest gear you know, standing on top of your pedals, and you can barely make any headway. And there's people walking their bikes up the hill. It's just crazy. Oh, no. Um, so, uh, but the neat thing about this, I mean, it's very picturesque, but it's everybody camps out there. And so you've got, I think, like 10,000 campers and oh, wow. all these pros. And uh, it's just a great time. It, it feels a lot like, um, I wasn't there, of course, but um, a lot like Woodstock. For triathletes, um, so we've got yes, yeah, so we got the show. So we're going to interview uh, Curly Sue, who's um, she's on a training ride right now, right? And somewhere, yeah, in, she's she brought her phone with her, and uh, she's going to take a break when we call. So and she's going all the way out to uh, California <coughs> from Ohio with I think 25 people. Um, yeah, she's part of um, team and training, so I think that this is her team and training race. Oh, excellent! Um, so do that, and then I've I, I've got an interview with. A woman who did a documentary on wildflowers. She followed uh, three triathletes in their training, and then followed them through the race. And so it's a it's a very nice um, uh, documentary. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that with her. You know what? Let's have that take the place of the triathlete chapter this week because we have a bunch of interviews this week. We're um we're gonna do that, and uh, then the surprise um, guest. Oh yeah, yeah. How did so, that go? That was uh, oh, that was really. Cool. I was gonna say awesome, but um, <laughs> that was really great. He should we should we say who it was or should we? Um, let's let's wait. Let people. Uh, okay. Let's just what? say this. Iron Will was um, had to control herself on this interview. <laughs> so um, you know what though, you already put it on your website. Anybody who reads your website is gonna know. Oh yeah. Okay. So go ahead. Out. We'll. Uh, Go ahead and tell him. Okay. Um, I got to catch up with Chris Lietto. He was the um, Ironman Canada champion, and he just finished second in Ironman Malaysia, set a new bike record out there. And uh, he's, he's like, one of the triathlon um, 
heroes out there. He's he's big time, so I was really excited to be able to catch up with him. God, he's going to be at Wildflower, too, to keep with our theme. Yeah, you're going to pick up the second half of the interview there. So. Yeah, I'll love it. And he, um, I think the highlight of the interview that people will um, hear about is he does pee in the pool, right? <laughs> oh, God. I told him that, um, that that might be a question that uh, would be asked, but I wasn't going to ask him. <laughs> oh, you didn't ask him. Okay. I asked him, but, like, not officially, so I don't think it's in the interview. So, oh, okay. Um, so, well, yeah, he, he does, but you're going you're gonna to be the one to get him to tell the world about it. I'll tackle the hard questions. <laughs> You can ask about the frozen beavers and stuff. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I don't think he has any trouble with frozen beavers, you know. Uh, just, uh, just a guess, but, you know. <laughs> okay. Um, and then your, your coach's corner is going to be what? Um, we're going to talk about um, some things, some helpful tips for the longer rides, if you're used to sprints or, or Olympics. Um, you know, some things to try to incorporate into your workouts to get you ready for uh, a longer, harder course. Yeah, one of the things we're worried about is, I mean, uh, uh, Wildfire <laughs> is, is um, billed as the world's toughest half Ironman, and then you're doing the toughest um, or the hilliest uh, Ironman in, in Wisconsin. So yeah, we, we both I'm... really need some advice. Yeah, hill advice, definitely hill advice. And your tri-life lesson? You know, speaking of hard races, um, my first half Ironman last year was amazing until the last five miles, and then it just, I don't know, something broke. It was just a, it was a struggle to get to the end on the last five miles. And uh, so I, I think it was more mental than physical because I wasn't in a whole lot of physical pain, but the physical pain I was in was, like, way intensified because of just, you know, kind of losing my uh, my grip on um, my mindset out there. So um, I guess it's going to be a little bit reflective and maybe uh, a little, uh, I don't know, kind of preventative for next time around. So Excellent. Excellent. So we've got some – let's go to the the uh, mailbag real quick before we call um, Curly Sue. Okay. And uh, remember uh, last week we announced that we're going to give some scholarships away um, maybe um, more than one if uh, some readers uh, chip in. But uh, we had a really, we had a very generous offer from Michael Pajaro, one of our um, one of our listeners, to help fund, like sort of do a matching matching funds for a new triathlete who wants to um, do a triathlon but doesn't have the um, or could use help with the entry fees. So we got this letter um, from. Jameson Bull, uh, who asked, um, and we're asking readers if they wanted to sort of pass on the the um, karma to give five or ten or you know fifty dollars or whatever it is uh, to um, in our PayPal's on our websites to help help with the scholarship fund. But uh, here's a letter I got, I think yesterday. Well, it says um, um, I'm in the middle of listening to, to episode 11 right now and heard about the scholarship, scholarship idea. While I'm not too fun of taking handouts, my budget has limited my training, triathlon training, and I've had to be creative in picking up gear as much to save as much money as possible. I'm nearing the end of my master's degree program, see if this is familiar to you, Will, um, <laughs> which has left me almost $40,000 in debt since oh. I'm graduating soon and moving out of central New York and back to New England when I find a job. I have yet to pick up any specific races because I've yet to figure out where I'll be race, living three months from now. If I can get some help with the entry race fee, I will definitely have to um, make an audio contribution to the show, update everybody. Um, this is Jameson. He's, he's, um, 
he's in San Diego right now for some reason, I think. Um, but uh, so he's he's the first and only person that's applied for the scholarship so far. So. Oh wow! Um, well, actually, um, we, I've had a lot of questions. Um, some readers wanted to know if there was like an actual application or if they just send an email. And um, I know Cliff has a friend who um, would like to try a try, but wasn't sure about exactly how to go about letting us know about that. So, guys, just send an email to um, either Kahuna or me, and uh, we'll read it on the air just like this, and um, um, we'll uh, get everything taken care of. You guys got to pick out a race that you want to do and send us the info. Um, and uh, kind of, and don't look at this necessarily as this is a handout or something like that. This is an award. I mean, this is a... Uh, this and is a prize, you know, just yeah. a scholarship. So, and this is something we want to do, and <laughs> and I know there's uh, probably people out there that figured, God, I kind of want to get into this triathlon thing, and they've been listening to this podcast or reading some of the blogs, and this is a great this is a great way to get in there and uh, and and get in there for free for the first race. So so take yeah. a, take advantage of it. So we we really want to do this, and uh, we want you to to um, to have it. So don't be shy. So. Yeah, so send us an email. Let us know why you want to try a try, and um, send us your your address and contact information and the race that you'd like to do, and um, we'll see about getting it taken care of for you. Excellent. Now, what else do you, do you have? Uh, um, you remember Mandy from last time? Oh, Mandy, the, yes. The, the high school girl. The high who, school who girl. wrote in about how triathlon changed her life, kind of. Yeah, she was a goalie, right? And she in yeah. soccer, and then she decided that she'd rather run, swim, and bike on her own. Yeah, because she had like those coaches that were all Psycho. you know bad coaches. Yeah. Right. Um, well, she, she wrote us back, and um, it was such a cute cute letter she wrote. Uh, hey, well, I was just listening to the part where you guys read my email that I sent in. I'm pretty sure I'm old enough to hear you guys, your guys' craziness. <laughs> uh, it makes me laugh, and I like to laugh. You mentioned being a keeper in soccer, and you were dead on about being liberating to go and do my own thing. Uh, also, you're right about the hero role model thing. It's true. People like you are easy to look up to and listen to. Keep up the great podcast. Oh. I know. Um, I'm, I'm for sure a loyal listener forever. See, that is such a good feeling to know that there are people out there who just are are all about the sport and all about um, listening. And you, know what, you, know what lo- you know what I loved about Mandy is she uh, she wrote me a little note and she her first uh, when she heard herself I think heard herself on the podcast first thing she wrote was hot dog. Uh, <laughs> so we don't get a lot of a lot of readers that say hot dog at the. Uh, you know she's already right she says hot dog. Yeah, it's very good. Um, <laughs> Got anything else, or we've done? Yeah, you have to read this one from Tri Boomer. This one. Oh God, this is the best one. Yeah, I sent this to you. Years. Oh man, this one, and it's kind of making me a little nervous now because spring break is coming up, and we're supposed to get some storms. But um, this oh, is man. not a problem we have in Southern California, by the way. No, no storms. No lightning. I mean, oh no! Oh, that's the best thing. That lightning's the best. Heat lightning is the best. Anyway, tangent. Um, okay, you guys gotta hear this. Um, says, uh, as always, I enjoyed your um, your and the Kahuna's latest podcast. I wanna I wanted to share with you guys what happened during my latest workout. I hope you're going. I hope your training is going well, but not quite as eventful as mine. You see, at about mile 50 of my bike ride this morning, I shook my I shook my fist and cursed the sky, and that'll be my first bad move. The rain that wasn't predicted by the weatherhead was making the road slick. My training plan was to ride another 20 miles and then run 90 minutes. But because lightning was making it unsafe to ride around White Rock Lake in Dallas, I cut the cycling short. I turned around and raced back to my car against a stiff headwind. It took me a few minutes, it, it took me a few minutes to put the bike back on, 
on the back of my car, and it looked like the rain was blowing over fast, so I could, so I chose to run and salvage what was left of my workout. That would prove to be my second bad move. Mm. About an hour into the run, more rain moved over the lake, and lightning struck a transformer on the telephone pole directly above my head. I literally peed my pants and dove for cover. The metal box hissed and banged like Chinese firecrackers as sparks rained down from around me. I cussed, <laughs> <laughs> I cussed and prayed at the same time as I scurried at all fours into a ditch, an oily green mud-filled ditch. Uh. I know. Um, a few seconds passed, and I shook around to find the mud on my chest smelled like bird poop and my short stuck of urine. Oh, no. <laughs> I squatted in a ditch, trying not to get more muck on my clothes, and tried to make a plan to get out of the storm. Nothing brilliant came to mind, so I cowered a little while longer before making a break for it and running the fastest 5K I ever ran back to my car. <laughs> oh, my Fortunately, I had a towel and extra shirt stashed in the back seat. Grabbing them, I made a beeline to the porta potty at the end of the parking lot to change my clothes. Unfortunately, however, I didn't have an extra pair of shorts. So on went the dry shirt, and off came the shorts as I wrapped the towel around my waist. Soon, I was in my car, headed home, butt naked, just sitting on the towel. You never really know how cold an air conditioner can blow until you <laughs> drive sands bridges, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Oh, oh, then he says, happily I made it home in one piece. Sounds like you had a frozen uh, something. <laughs> We're going to have to kill this beaver. <laughs> kill it dead. <laughs> um, happily, I made it home in one piece. I can't say that I hope for another day like this, but I'm looking forward to buying a new pair of triathlon shorts. Maybe one with lightning bolts on the side. It's huh, well. <laughs> you guys keep producing a great podcast, and I'll keep listening. Man, I love this sport. Yours, Try Boomer. Oh, my God. Wow. Talk about day. Oh, my gosh. So what is the deal with um, lightning? Tell me, uh, this city boy, do you, do you, um, you've got to get low to the ground or you got to get, you want to go like under a tree, right? Lightning? <laughs> you want to, yeah, no. Um, you want to get, um, you, you want to not be the tallest thing around. Uh-huh. So if you are and it's lightning cracking right over your head, um, you better get low and get out of there. Um, but, uh, yeah, if there's, like, a building or something like that around you, you're usually pretty safe. But uh, definitely get the crap out of there as fast oh as you can. <laughs> we get crazy lightning around here that, that um, you know, strikes very, very close um close by so not like texas when i lived out in uh, southwestern oklahoma they used to have the most beautiful heat lightning down there and it was like way up high and no rain it was you know because it was so dang hot mm-hmm. and uh it would just streak across the sky it was awesome so uh-huh. um yeah but no we get the we get the the fry your hair kind of lightning out here <laughs> yeah that's got to be uh i mean to have a lightning strike so close to you i mean I, i'd pee my pants too <laughs> That's probably not all I would do in my pants. It's just crazy. Oh, I'm, yeah, glad that uh, Chai Boomer made it out of there. Holy cow. Um, all right, so we, uh, you know what we have out here is we have uh, mountain lions that hunt you down and, and kill you. You have mountain lions out there? Uh-huh. Now, is this like the man-eating jellyfish junk, or is this, no, no, this like is, um, a yeah, real mountain lion? Last year, this is this is like maybe 20 miles from my house, maybe 15 miles from my house, but a... A guy got off work early. It's just daylight savings time, like it like it is now. And he went out after work to do a ride, and he was um, he got a flat tire. It's a mountain bike. And he got a flat tire, and so he was um, kind of hunched down, you know, changing the tire. And a mountain lion came and ate him. And ate like ate him? Ate him? Or just bit him? No, ate him. And so I didn't think they ate people. 
um, they 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 can. And you know, wow. because they thought because he was he was like in a crouch position, like he looked smaller than he was, and then so and they don't eat the people all at once. They um, oh. they bury them. So what happened? This is now this is, it gets even more incredible. Is that they so the the mountain lion you know dragged this guy off the trail and and buried him and um, near the trail to eat later, I guess. And and this is a, this guy is a great guy. It was just everybody loved him. He's this big endurance athlete guy and so up came two women after work um, riding the same trail and you know out of the blue this this mountain lion they think was was thought these guys were coming for for um, his food and so they um, this mountain lion jumped the woman on the bike and Uh. mountain lions grabbed people by the head so they've got this woman by the head and, and dragging her into the bushes, and her friend, like the greatest friend in the world, grabs her feet, and oh. there, there's a tug of war oh between the lion and and the uh, woman, and eventually um, the lion oh you know, drops her and goes off. So this so this woman who had whose head was in the, the lion's mouth. Uh, Got all sorts of um, facial damage and whatnot. Oh but yeah, she's, why did that woman just okay. get like a? Why did that woman just get like a rock or something to like hit the lion with? Um, well, I think that I think the um, uh, the second woman, I think it was just you know spur of the moment. There was like nothing yeah, to do, and get her. she just didn't want you know once it was in the bushes, um, her her friend would be dead. Yeah. Um, oh my god. So anyway, that happened really <laughs> really close. So we don't have lightning; right. we just have mountain lions. Um, oh. Gosh, Isn't that even incredible? More reason, yeah, it's even more reason to stay on the beach and not get up in the hill. <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. man. That would be such a beach. That, yeah, definitely going to be a beach if I'm out there. No. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I got Curly Sue ready to go. Do you want to try giving her a call? Yeah, let's call her. Okay. She's going to be on the roads of, um, of, of Ohio. Ohio, right? Yeah. She's out of Cleveland. She lives by um, my buddy, Triceratops. So. Oh, I love such Triceratops. She's so I do too. I do too. So positive all the time. Yeah. Okay, here we go. It's probably zooming down a hill. Probably she's like crap, guys. Hello. Hello, Curly Sue. Curly Sue, can you hear us? Yeah. Hey, how's your how's your ride going? It's Chuggy Coon and Iron Will. Ah, it's going well. It's good to hear from you guys. Where, where, I stopped. I'm not writing. <laughs> okay, good. Where, and where are you exactly for, for our listeners? Um, I am in the Rocky River Reservation, riding on the uh, Valley Parkway and, in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Wow. And in um, how, what? Uh, where are you in your ride? What what mile? Um, let's see. We were gonna do a 25 mile uh, ride, a six mile run, and then another 25 ride. And I'm about at 20 of the first 25. And how are you feeling? I feel good. I didn't, uh, probably took it a little too easy this week, so I feel probably overly strong. <laughs> <laughs> so, how are you feeling about wildfire coming up? Um, you know, if it was a swim and a run, I'd feel great, but I'm a little petrified of the bike. Yeah. That a six mile uh, climb um, could very well take me two hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's only it's only a two mile climb. Now, what uh, are you? Do you have any hills out there in Ohio? Ah, uh, 
yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's this um, road that I'm riding through right now. It's um, it uh, it's the low point. Um, so you can kind of take side roads up uh, as much as you want. So that's what we've been doing is just kind of riding in the bottom, and then whenever some of the leader feels like it, they go up on the side hills. So. Is the whole group stop for you? Um, I let them go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, you're going to have to haul to catch up with them, huh? Yeah, yeah they're going to call me when they get back to, I guess they have five more miles to get back to the our transition area, so they're going to see where I am, if they should wait for me or not. Oh, cool. oh, okay. Well, we won't keep you that long, but t- so, yeah, I, I, you know, I did Wildfire last year. You haven't done it yet, have uh-huh. you? No, I haven't. And uh, you just need to, um, you know, the, the biking, there is a few little hills that are very tough, um, uh-huh. but I, it, th- what killed me was not the biking, because I was, like, kind of psyched up for that, but it was the run, because the run was really, really hilly. So, okay. so get yeah so so uh, so don't worry about so start worrying about the run. <laughs> okay. Okay. Not, not the bike. So tell me. Well, what scares me is that that you know on the run if you if you you can you can walk you know right. but on the bike you can't you can't really walk. Right. <laughs> You're walking for a long time. That is true. Hey, t- tell us, uh, Curly Sue, uh, how you got into triathlon and and uh, you know where are you in your your triathlon career. Well, um, I guess uh, this is my second season. I did um, my first sprint triathlon um, two summers ago, and um, I was up in Maine playing at a music festival, uh, and um, we had a lot of extra time, and I was just kind of like on the Internet a lot, and somehow I was looking through triathlon stuff. I'm not really sure, and I just signed up for it, and uh, (laughs) then I got a book that said, uh, you know, trained for a sprint triathlon in six weeks, and so I did that. I was uh, second to last, but I finished nonetheless, and then then I um, signed up for team and training the next fall uh, because I realized I didn't really know what I was doing. I mean, the, um, I think it was like a 750-meter swim. And uh, it took me 28 minutes. <laughs> so, <Ooh. laughs> wow, that's, that's a robo speed time. <laughs> so, um, so and then the bike I had a, I had a little hybrid, and it was, it was a 17 mile bike, and I was just you know chugging along. Everybody's whizzing by me. <laughs> and um, but yeah, so then I signed up for team and training, and I have a really great coach and. Um, it, yeah, it's, and I so I did two, uh, three Olympic distance triathlons last year, and wow. then I signed up for this um, half, and so that's where I am. Oh, and I'm wow. actually signed up for an Ironman as well. Um, you are? When did that happen? Uh, I guess uh, a couple months ago, actually. Um, so I'm supposed to be doing Ironman France. Uh, it's in Nice. It's a, uh. in uh, June, actually, but... <laughs> Wow. Well, because I have to do this. Um, well, I have to have an operation next week, so I will see how I recover. And if wildflower kills me, I might just back out. I'm I'm leaving myself that option. <laughs> oh, so that so Ironman France for you would be this year then? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh wow! Now I have a group of uh huh. That's I, I have a group of friends going. Yeah. Sorry, we keep interrupting each other. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Oh, I have a group of friends going, and I'm moving after this summer, and so I kind of just felt like it would be kind of a good way to, I don't know, leave Cleveland and 
um, you know, I've got this huge support group of people doing it, and I just felt like it was the right time. And oh, I actually, wow. like, filled out my application in the fall and then didn't submit it. So I had been in the works for a while. So. Wow. Now, is this, now would Ironman France be through team and training, or you just did this kind of separately? Um, well, it's the same the group of people that I've gotten uh, to be uh, close with, but it's not, a, you know, it's not a team and training event, but it's uh, my coach and a uh, bunch of other guys, actually. Wow. wow. Now, now, the good news, Curly Sue, is I, I met a lot of people on the run, as I was walking <laughs> portions of the run at Wildflower, <laughs> who, who said, uh, and they were Ironman veterans, and they said, if you can finish Wildflower, you could do a... Uh, you could do an Ironman because they 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 think well, they think Iron you know that it's it's roughly the equivalent. I, I'm I don't really buy that, but that's what they said. So <laughs> it's hard to imagine that half the distance would be the same, but that is encouraging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh wow! Now, now tell us about your um fl- you're a flautist, right? Is that you said? Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah uh, you can say it either way. Flute or flautist. Okay. Uh, um. Yeah, and I um have my uh. So, you know, I've been, uh, I'm, the reason I'm moving is to get my doctorate of musical arts um, from Rutgers University. Oh, so oh I'm wow. So trying to maybe go the teaching route up until, I guess, this year I was more, thought of myself as more of an orchestral performer, but, um, and I'd still like to do some orchestra auditions and see what happens, but I want to have another option if in a few years the orchestra stuff still hasn't worked out. I don't want to be where I am now in three years. I want to have something else. Mm-hmm. And, and tell me about, um, I, I, I like your picture on your your blog <laughs> with the, <laughs> shut but, up, Iron Will. He loves your picture on your blog. <laughs> All right, so we were camping. It's a bathing suit. It's not a <laughs> <laughs> I told you, Kuna. <laughs> um, this was actually the 4th of July last year, and uh, I was actually camping with a whole bunch of my triathlon friends, and uh, they were out biking, and I was preparing for an audition, so I had to practice. And so uh, I was just practicing outside, and it was hot. And they came back from their bike ride, and I was still practicing and some amazing pictures. <laughs> oh, okay, now we we have to explain. We have to explain because for people who don't know your picture, they're getting all kinds of crazy visuals right now in their heads. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's just let's just walk through this here. Um, your back is to the camera, and you're kind of like cock cocked on one hip there and you've got your flute um, and you're playing your flute so uh, and you have like a, a bathing suit top on and jeans and um, it's, a, it's a really pretty picture artistically speaking but um, I don't think the guys are, uh, are looking at it quite like that but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, it's nevertheless it's a very 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 good picture so um, everybody's going to gonna have to check out uh, curlysue.blogspot.com um, and I apologize for not updating <laughs> over the past few weeks. I've kind of been uh, um, uh, rebelling, but but I'll get back. <laughs> uh, something tells me that um, people are going to be just looking at that picture for a while, so I think you have plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> they just want to see I'm the art. Have to change it now. <laughs> no, yeah, leave, it on, leave it on there for a little bit. We'll, we'll drive some traffic. It's just a very artistic picture, is what I think. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. It's artistic. <laughs> anyway, so oh, I didn't realize this was such a topic of uh, conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Curly Sue, so what, what? So, your biggest fear is the um, is the bike for Wildflower? 
yeah, just the bike in general. I'm not that strong on it. I'm a I'm a decent runner and I'm a good swimmer now, but the the bike. I mean, I can I can kind of chug through, but the the inclines scare me. <laughs> and, and how are you getting to Wildflower? Uh, we are flying out there, but our bikes are being shipped the week beforehand. Um, so yeah, we're flying out to San Francisco, and then we have I think a bus taking us to the. Oh, wow. You're going to have to hook up with Kahuna and everybody. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And you're camping? Oh, yeah. We're definitely camping. Um, Well, we were supposed to have a camping weekend last weekend, so we were going to all go as a team and camp and train. But the weather was like 35 degrees, so we got a cabin instead and totally whipped <laughs> out those shows at the training. Oh, <laughs> uh, you really like it. it what's weird about um, Wildflower is it's it's like halfway between L.A. and San Francisco, so it's... Right. It's, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, and uh, it's, I think it's like three hours. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it's not like it's it's nice. There's no doubt. Um, <laughs> okay, somebody coming from Ohio is going to be beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, from Cleveland, exactly. Cleveland, anything would be beautiful, right? Pittsburgh would be beautiful. <laughs> I'm not going to shoot down where I've been living for seven years, but uh, <laughs> I have a feeling the landscape is a little bit better. <laughs> you're, you're, the most beautiful thing about Cleveland is Drew Carey, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> you know what? He doesn't even film it here. <laughs> oh, it's all well, just, just you're gonna have all those uh, all those open skies um, without all those lights messing it up. So that's gonna be really cool out there with campfires and all the stars. That's it, gonna be great. It's really nice. Now, now yeah. what, what what day are you coming out there? What day will you be at Wildflower? Um, we get there on Thursday and we stay till Monday. Okay. Well, I've got your phone number and I'll have to, I'll have to ship in mind so we could uh, figure a place to. Uh, it's it's really a huge, huge camping ground. Okay. And okay. So we'll we'll do that. We could, uh, you know, I could watch you play the flute or something. Oh God. No. Hey, I've heard the water is ridiculously cold this year. Oh, like, no. Uh, it's uh, um, 48 degrees right now, and they're not expecting it to warm up more than just a few degrees. Oh, boy. There's no way it's 48. Have, have, Don't worry have about fun that. Have fun with that. Have fun with that, Kona. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is from somebody who uh, the San Francisco team and training chapter reported to us last week. Uh, they're just trying to psych you out. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just trying to, trying to shoot down a team not from California. <laughs> <laughs> It'll, it'll be all good. Uh, it'll be all good. So, one last question is: is how do, for me at least is how do they ship your bikes out? Did, did, you, did you use a service or did you go through a bike shop or how did you do that? Um, we are going through a um, bike shipping company that's going to send them all together. Um, they didn't want to use a UPS or FedEx because I think they have a history of losing bikes. So, right. oh. um, so yeah. So apparently, like they'll all be on the same. Um, you know, shipment, and they, they're being sent to a bike store, who and they're going to reassemble them. Cool, cool. So, yeah, it's just a little bit of a pain. It's scary to think of your uh, bike that you spent so much effort getting adjusted perfectly, just like, you know, somebody else just kind of sticking it back together, but it'll work out. Oh, I know, I know. Well, this is very <laughs> exciting. I can't wait to wait, wait to meet you in person. Yeah, definitely. Um, are, you bringing your, are you bringing your flute, Curly? <laughs> I guess I hadn't thought about it. <laughs> I could. <laughs> Come on, we'll, we'll, we'll sit around the campfire. You could play uh, songs, uh, campfire songs on the flute. Okay. <laughs> Make sure you bring your jeans. 
<laughs> you know, those jeans have since busted. It was really sad. <laughs> All right. Um, well, listen, Curly Sue, thanks for taking time out to uh, to talk to us on your training ride. No problem. Okay. Hey, I think I think Kahuna, did you say you're gonna ride in solidarity with her and do her uh, workout today? Yeah, actually, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna do your workout. I'm gonna do twenty twenty five miles, then run six miles, and do twenty five more. Sounds great. So um, I will uh, I will do that as soon as we get done talking. So and, and he will be flute he will be flute powered. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have a great workout, guys. All right. All right. Girl. Well, catch up catch up to your pack, Curly. Thanks again for talking to us. No problem. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, she's so sweet. She is so cool. That's crazy. She took our call and she's. I know she's gonna. I think she'll catch up really quick, though. I bet. Yeah. Because what was what were we talking like? Twenty minutes? Something? They can't uh, be more than. Yeah, fifteen minutes. Know. They're taking a. I think they're taking one of those, those paths up the the hill. So that's cool yeah, to train she'll, a team she'll like. Catch them. I've never trained it with a team like that. Um, I know. I I went on a couple rides with a couple people from my team, and it's it makes such a difference to ride with other people because the time goes by so fast and um when we were doing the the SEBAs last year the steelhead epic brick adventures with uh shelly and vertical man oh man that was a blast they mm-hmm. the, the rides go by so fast and uh it's nice to have people out there watching you back yeah yeah well let's go to uh with that segue let's go to the uh this film documentary on wildflower by uh Kristen higgins and um, I interviewed her uh, about the film and why she did it, and uh, so the reaction to the film. And so uh, let's go to that interview. Oh, good. I can't wait for this. Go for it. All right. This is the Trigeek Kahuna, and for part of our Wildflower special of Get Your Geek On podcast, I've got a documentary filmmaker named Kristen Tegmeyer Higgins, and she did a... She did a, um, a documentary on Wildflower called Wildflower, the Legendary California Triathlon. First of all, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. And tell me a little bit about how you even thought about doing a a documentary on um, Wildflower. Well, um, I did my first triathlon in 92 when I got out of college, and I've sort of been in love with the sport, um, even though I don't think I'm particularly very good at it. And so when I decided to make my first feature-length film, I thought that triathlon would be a really good subject for me because I love the subject so much, and um, that would lend a lot to the, you know, creativity of it. Mm-hmm. And I've never, um, I've never done. I have to confess, I've never done wildfire. I'm a little intimidated by it, uh. but um, I just thought I really needed a really legendary amazing race to film and the aspects of it where you go there and you stay there for several days and everybody's in it together really spoke to me and um, the only other one I actually considered was Kona but that's it's got all the you know the actual NBC coverage and all that sort of thing so I didn't want to compete with any of the networks I wanted to go somewhere that would be its own experience and people wouldn't have seen it from start to finish before. Okay, and you followed three athletes. You followed two pros, Rachel Sears and Brian Lavelle, and then you followed uh, Sarah Moss. How did you, and she's an amateur, um, how did you find find the people? How did you pick them? Okay, um, well, Rachel was my coach, ah. and she was just really still, I think in her second season of turning pro, 
still getting her feet wet. Mm-hmm. So she definitely was on a huge learning curve at that point. And Brian Lavelle, um, I actually found because I read about Becky, Gip, Becky Gibbs Lavelle. Right. And I had met her once. And um, I was trying to find a male to balance it out so that it wasn't following three female triathletes. Mm-hmm. And so he's in my area. Um, I'm in the lower Bay Area, kind of the peninsula area. So he's down here. So that made it easier to film also. And he's a really great guy. So it was fun to work with him. Um, we met and talked about it a little while. And then he decided to sign on for it. And then my amateur is actually a girl... I've known most of my life, um, probably for the last 20 years or so. And um, she and I have been friends over the years. Our families are friends, and then we train together. And then, um, you know, as it shows in the film, she goes through some particular hardships, and so I thought her story was pretty compelling. Yeah, she had a great story. Now, now when you were uh, filming her in particular, you know, she's, she's a pretty um, casual... Uh, with her workouts, not that she doesn't do a lot, but she's she's not a big planner. And uh, I thought it is going through. I think, oh man, when she hits wildflower, this is gonna be tough. Did you have that feeling, or did you think she'd be fine all the way? Well, I thought both things. First of all, she's um she's been very successful athletically. I think she downplays that uh-huh. um, her whole life. She's just a really natural athlete. But having gone through um, her disease and her situation, I think she finds it hard to mentally put that much value in things that aren't, you know, a life or death struggle. For her, the ability to do this triathlon is so great. It's such a gift to her that she's able to physically do this that she doesn't want to give it importance that will take away from the fun of it. Yeah, she had a great attitude. I mean, she she yeah. said uh, she said a couple times that uh, even when she's training, unless she has a coach, if it gets really hard, she just stops because it's not fun anymore, and that she you know wanted to really have fun on this course. And she seemed to to really have a great attitude out there because when she she went through um, leukemia uh, twice actually, mm-hmm. and um, so that mm-hmm. was um, she was great, I thought. And I also thought, um, well. I and most people read about, spend a lot of time reading about what the pros are doing and how they're training and everything. There has to be some sort of a balance because I personally, oh, it would be great if you could spend 20 hours of the training. Mm-hmm. How you know, good would you feel about yourself? But at some point, i got to give myself a little bit of a break so that if I do miss a workout, it doesn't make me crazy. And so I think she sort of balanced that out. Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, we, we almost have a, on this uh, podcast, we, we almost... We don't quite have a ban on the pros, but we really are featuring on people with, you know, lives. And, and you are um, eight months pregnant, right, with uh, two two, right. ki- yeah. two kids. And so, you know, we all have, or you know, a lot of us have kids, jobs, everything else. And so this is just like one thing we do in our lives. Um, and so that was, that right. was neat to see. Now, t- I'm very curious on, um, you know, what, what you did is you followed them through, you know, December through um, the 1st of May when the race was. And this is in 2004 where... It was just blistering hot at uh, Wildflower. And I'm curious of how you actually filmed this. How many cameras did you have? How did you spot the people come out of the water? How did you get on the motorcycle or whatever you were to follow them around the course? Okay, well, (laughs) this was um, a huge 
operations challenge. I spent months working with Brent Allen at Tri California and one and my director of photography on figuring out how we were gonna follow three athletes in three events plus transitions all on the same day with four camera crews. So we had four camera crews okay. and we had two on motorcycle. So they did a they did the bike and the run out on the course, and we had one out on the water on a boat, mm-hmm. and um, we had one covering transitions and finish. She did a little bit of start, but she was more about uh, transitions and finish. And um, well, one thing you have to understand about uh, the cinematographers is, especially the guys, the young guys who get to do or who do a lot of corporate uh-huh. work for them to go out I mean they would love to make a living doing you know ski films right. all their lives <laughs> but they can't right. so when something like this comes up that's sports focused and we were camping and we were all hanging out they were all really excited about it and everybody was really enthusiastic and put a lot of time and effort into it so that made my job a lot easier because you know those two guys that were out on the motorcycle they were out there for about 10 hours or, or so, and it, you're right, it was, what was it, on the asphalt, it must have been well over 100 degrees. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that was, it was just a huge amount of logistics. We had to have a person there for, um, the pros were the easier one, to, obviously, because the swim, it's much easier to find their numbers and their, and, uh, you know, the women, there was only, I think, maybe 25 pros. Right. So it was easier to find her. And the filmmaker that was out, um, the photographer that was out on the water, he actually shoots all the water photography for the TV show Film Factor. Oh, yeah, sure. Fear Factor, Factor, sorry. Fear Factor. So he's like a pro at figuring out where to find people on the water and everything. So that was was lucky. Did you have walkie-talkies? Yes. But walkie-talkies only work with a five-mile range. (laughs) So we just went, you know, on a wing and a prayer on the bike. Right, right. <laughs> that, was a little, that was a little challenging. And, and what did you do during this time? Well, I was sort of command central. I was spotting people, uh-huh. especially uh, during the transition, and making sure um, that that's the one covering transitions got all the people. And then I was, you know, shouting orders into uh, the walkie-talkie to tell everybody where people were. So I was doing a lot of spotting. And, um, yeah, just making sure that we were catching everything. Yeah, what people don't realize, and I actually have done a documentary, if you can believe it, but um, if, you, do, oh, if you don't catch the moment, it's gone. And so for, for right. you especially, you, you do all this, you know, you, you show the train up into Wildflower, and then, you know, if, if something happens or, you know, you miss, you miss the person in transition or something, you're not going to get that back. And uh, that's, that's got to be just, you must have had um, some sleepless nights or nightmares, um, thinking. I did, and I also, <laughs> I also um, was, you know, we're we're dealing with with the weather, and we were dealing with um, a lot of um, external sounds and people getting in the way, and you know, making sure everybody was everywhere on time. And but there was also so much fun stuff going on with the Cal Poly kids, the volunteers. They were doing all these crazy things, and then. All the vendors were there, and they were fun to film. And so there was like, you know, the pros were great. So I mean, there was a lot of 
C-roll that was really fun to film and put in and makes Wildfire what it really is. I mean, only disappointment you didn't show the uh, naked co-eds at mile four. You kind of alluded to it, but... Uh... <laughs> I know, I know. I've heard that from many, many men. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had they had males there too, I guess. But uh, oh, they did. Yeah. Yeah, I missed them. But we did get the girl in the bikini, and she was hot. Yeah, so that's yeah. okay. Now, how how did um, <laughs> um, was this the first time you've ever been to Wildflower? It was actually, which was kind of funny because um, you really probably shouldn't make a documentary about something that you've never actually been to, but. <laughs> On the flip side, a lot of people do, and I knew I wanted to do this subject. And so I went down there to check it out, but I didn't go during the actual race event before. Right, right. I was going to say, after spending the the weekend there and filming all this stuff, what, what impressions did you come away with about Wildflower? Well, oh, my first impression, I would say, is the half looks really, really hard. <laughs> um, and so someday, someday I'll get there. Um I have to say, that's kind of my kind of situation. I like going to races and meeting all the different athletes and finding out, you know, finding some camaraderie, you know, talking to another woman before we do our, before our wave starts. And, and um, I just really like everything about it. I've done some of the ones in Napa, and it's the same sort of feeling when people stay for the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I just like the whole... I liked going around to all the different vendors and talking to them. I just liked the fact that it was really unhurried and you got to relax and enjoy it. And then I went back again last year um, to meet with people about the film and show it. I showed it to the L.A. Tri Club, which is really large, and um, did some, you know, some networking down there. And so that was great because I got to actually relax and enjoy the, the whole festival and everything. So, so I don't know. I just think they have a unique situation there. Now, when are you going to get on the uh, course yourself? Um, okay, that's in my that's in my plan. <laughs> but I gotta say, it's not it's not gonna be this year. Right. I'm about no, to have another baby, right. and then I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna have to do the Olympic first. Uh. And then you should go for the whole thing. Anyhow, okay. So give me. Can, I'll give me three years. Then. Okay. Well, you know, I I'm I'm angry at you because I watched this. I I, I did it last year. It was my first half Ironman, and. Uh, I'd forgotten how hard it was, and then um, <laughs> I watched your film and I saw Brian Lavelle, who's just this totally, um, you know, in shape pro triathlete, and you know he was like, I thought he was going to die at the end. He's got cramps. He looks like he's going to throw up. He's packed in ice. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I remember that. I know, but it was great for the film. <laughs> <laughs> you had a really nice shot at the end with. Um, with uh, Sarah, the the uh, amateur getting sprayed, you know, by the by the hose and with the mist coming in, and it was just it was a very nice uh, shot there. Now, if people wanted to, I'm going to put a link on the website. But if people wanted to get a copy of this film, what what should they do? Um, well, there's a couple places. I I obviously you may know, sell it on eBay because everybody sells everything on right. eBay, and then um, I sell it on my website, which is RiverPlaceProductions.com. And then um, also Tri California sells it themselves. Oh, cool! Oh, cool! Yeah, so so it's pretty pretty much out there. Hopefully, if you Google on it, it should come up. All right. Well, well and um, yeah, I think it's good for everybody training. It's very motivational. It is. Just don't let, just don't watch the ending. <laughs> and they're all tired. <laughs> 
Well, it's good to have a little fear in your heart, oh, right? It gets, it's wildfire. Yeah, it'll get you out training. <laughs> and and the, the other thing neat about this neat about this movie is the endings are all kind of surprise endings. I, I predicted not how everything happened, and, and um, so that was uh, it was good to have a little little twist at the end. So we'll we'll let the good. I do try to not tell people the ending because I do think that they. Um, or worth waiting around for. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was very good. So get out there and get it. Um, I'll have links on the website, but it's riverplaceproductions.com or on eBay, Wildflower, the legendary California triathlon. Uh, Kristen Tegmeyer-Higgins, thank you so much for uh, stopping by. Thank you so much. Okay. Oh, wow. That was incredible. I love stories like that where they start with their training and they lead all the way up through um, to the to the finish line, and uh, I can't I can't wait to see this film. You have to sh- you have to send me a copy of this. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sh- I'll ship it to you because I'm uh, I'm done with it. And uh, for those of you who um, who want to see the the film, check my website. I'll have the links on how to uh, how to get the film. Oh, that's so incredible. All right, so let's go to um, let's go to the uh, your your interview with uh, oh with, with Chris with Chris yes Chris Lieto. Um, guys, once again, Chris Lieto is um, a pro triathlete, but there's something a little bit different about him because he actually has a regular job, too, and family, and uh, so he's a lot more like, I would say, all of us than he is like the pros in that respect. Um, he has about a billion sponsors, um, and he's really competitive uh, as far as the top spots go, so um how he maintains that level of performance along with balancing everything else is just of huge interest to me. So it was nice to be able to catch up with him. He's really down to earth and everything. So, uh, um, you ready to hear it? Yeah, let's find out how he does it. Okay, throw the tape. Okay, well, I'm um, talking to the Chris Lieto, and um, he has some... Uh, Little ones in the background there, so uh, this is going to be a great interview because of all of the people out there, pro triathletes. Um, Chris actually has a, a job and a family, and yet he still manages to to pull out um, some some Ironman championships. So, uh, Chris, thank you so much for for agreeing to talk to us today. So we're really excited. You bet. Thank you very much for having me. So tell us, um, most recently you took second in Ironman Malaysia and set a new bike record, and uh, you just kind of set bike records all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, it's been been fun just going out and racing where I can, and um, things have been working out really well for me with with my bike riding and stuff, and now I just got to follow it up with a, a good solid run, and We'll see what happens. Oh man! Well, um, I have I have some questions for you on how you you managed to stay in top form and and just uh, blaze trails everywhere with with uh, having a full time job now. Now, what do you do? Uh, I'm a mortgage broker, um, so I do uh, home loans, refinances, and purchases all across the United States, pretty much. Um, but to be honest, I don't quite work full time. I work probably about half half time hours. So, uh, <laughs> So uh, I wanted to make sure that that was out there. Oh, well, still, that's that's quite a bit more. I mean, uh, a lot of uh, pros just, they, they don't work at all. They just do the training. And um, so you're you're definitely a, a role model on how to balance all of that. About how many hours a week do you train during the season? Um, it depends on what, what point of the training um, I'm in. If it's leading up to an event, if it's leading up to an Ironman, it usually goes from anywhere from 22 hours to 
to about 35 hours will be oh, this week. Oh, my goodness. Um, maybe if you included Pilates and stuff like that, it would probably get up to, like, close to 40 hours, maybe. Oh, wow. In one or two weeks. But on average, it's probably probably about 25 to uh, 29 hours, something like that. Oh, wow. So so you do Pilates in addition to the, the run, bike, swim? Yeah, I find that doing some sort of uh, stretching and... Um, Pilates and stuff that I found. I started doing it this winter or at the end of the season last year. And I found um, some great results from it, just building my core strength. I think that's what I was lacking in previous years, is just making sure my core was strong, which transfers over to you know all all three events. And oh yeah. I've, I've definitely found a difference, and I feel a difference even in my riding that um, the core has helped helped me out to be a little bit more stable and, and not break down as quick. Oh man, that, that's uh, Jesse Stenson does that core performance. So it seems like core is definitely um, the way to uh, to go if you're going to be into this training seriously. Yeah, it's, it's you know it's an added thing. So again, it takes up more time. So you kind of have to weigh out you know what's most important in your training. But I find that yeah, doing core stuff is is great, and I like Pilates because it's also um, stretches and lengthens um, your muscles and stuff. So you're not just you know, doing core and getting tighter because sometimes doing core you can tighten, you know, your uh, your stomach and your back and stuff like that, and it can actually, in some cases, be worse off. So, if you like Pilates and things like that, it helps stretch it all out and make sure that you have good posture and good position and all that. So it's good. Oh wow! Well, and it must work because you've you've won Ironman Canada and Ironman Wisconsin and um, just all around kind of going around winning everything. <laughs> so I'm doing um, Ironman Wisconsin this year. It's my first Ironman, so I'm kind of nervous about those hills. But uh, <laughs> they're short. There's a lot of them, but they're short. But it's a, it's a really fun race. I, that was one of my favorite races for sure. The crowd is just amazing there, and and. I like the course because it breaks it up a little bit. You have to work hard up on a short hill, but then you get a good recovery on the on the short downhills as well. So it's good. Oh, good. Well, that's definitely good to hear. Um, and I and I hear a little voice in the background there. Tell us about your family a little bit. Um, I have a son who is two and a half. His name is Caden, and um, he is awesome. He's uh, he's a lot of fun. He always has a smile on his face. He always likes to play, and he's talking up a lot right now. So he's um, a lot of fun. Oh wow! And he, um, we see him in uh, in pictures after you've crossed the finish line. And you're holding him. That's probably one of my favorite pictures of you. Um, just kind of looking down at him, and uh, he's looking up at you. It's just it's yeah. it's just a great picture. So, and you're married. Yes. And she's absolutely beautiful. She <laughs> does. Uh, um, does she do? How does she handle uh, all of the time and time commitment and everything? She must be really supportive with everything. Yeah, she's very supportive and very patient. Um, we actually just had our 11th year anniversary yesterday. Wow. So, yeah, we've been married 11 years. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, so but she's, she's very supportive. She comes to a lot of my events. Uh, since we've had Caden, um, she comes to more of the local events and um, the better locations, I'll say. You know, <laughs> when I'm racing in Hawaii, she'll be there. Malaysia... <laughs> Even though it's a beautiful place, the travel was just so far. We didn't want to bring Caden into that mm-hmm. environment and sit on the plane for 24 hours with a with a little two and a half year old. Oh so. yeah. But uh, yeah, she's great. Oh my gosh! Now, um, speaking of kids, you're you're actually donating um, a lot of your race winnings to some charities for kids. So talk about that a little bit. 
Yeah, um, I've always wanted to um, set up some sort of foundation or, or some sort of way to give back uh, as far as the charities to kids or, or families in need. And this year, the easiest way to do it was to, as far as just partner up with um, someone that's out there already. Um, so I partnered up with World Vision, who's been around for years, I think 20, 30 years or something like that. And, and they um, help uh, support kids um, and families and as far as communities around the world that are in need. And so um, you can sponsor a child uh, for a year. So basically my goal is, is, that, is that each event to donate a portion of my prize money to sponsor a child at each event. And so with part of that, I'm trying to encourage my sponsors and, and those that are out there to to back that up and, and, and join with me. So soon on my website, you'll there'll be a, a page that you can go to and actually donate right through my website um, and be a part of it. And one of the things that I want to do is keep a track of all of the kids that we that we sponsor and have have their pictures on there. And so we, as far as year after year, can watch the kids grow and see the improvement and the help that we're giving them, you know, throughout the years. So something that I'm excited about, and it's something that's that's really inexpensive, you know, to, to sponsor a child. Uh, let's say in South Africa or somewhere like that, it it costs about the same price as it costs to enter an Ironman event. You know, it's about anywhere from 350 to 420 something dollars to sponsor a child for the year. That that gives them food and the ability to 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 learn trades and activities and things like that that will help them uh, live you know a full life and and live on their own. So it's exciting. Oh wow! And that now, and you said that there would be a page available so people can go to your website and just sort of be able to get connected right there. Yeah. Um, in the next week, I'll probably have a website that's going to be uh, like a team type thing, and so on there there'll be a place where you can go ahead and click on and donate any amount of money if it's you know a dollar or ten dollars or a thousand dollars, and and we're just going to track that and we're going to keep a, a a running total of what we raise and with those. With that, throughout the year, uh, we'll just keep, uh, as far as um, sponsoring, you know, kids or as far as communities that we run in contact with, and see if we can make a difference. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and I hope it really works out, and, and I hope it draws some attention to, uh, to those that are out there that, that, uh, that they'll take the time to support uh, those in need and support those that are, um, you know, starving around the world or that had AIDS and things like that. So. Looking forward to it. Oh, what a great thing to do! It's so it's so unselfish of you to go and, and reach out like that and give back um, to the community. So hopefully, um, a lot of people will go and uh, and find that that part on there and, and uh, help out. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I, I was uh, I was going to ask you this earlier, um, but uh, how how actually did you get started in triathlon, and what made you decide to go pro? Other than you know winning everything. <laughs> Um, I started in 1998 was my first year, and um, basically started, I moved back to northern, uh, northern California, and I needed uh, an outlet, something to do, and I started swimming, and during that, around that same period of time, I saw the Ironman on TV in 97, and so I just saw it, and I said, that looks like something fun to do, and uh, I'd love to go to Hawaii and, and, and try that event, so that was my goal for that year, and I just... Basically, I just went out and bought some some shoes and bought a bike and and just started training and uh, ran into Wendy Ingram who lives uh, in the area um, at that time and picked her brain and she helped me out and so things 
just rolled along, and I did really well as as an amateur my first year, and and it, and as I improved and just got better, it was kind of like the natural step was to go, okay, well let's see if we can go pro, and then from there it was just like, okay, I want to make the best of it and see how far I can take it while I have the chance, you know, since mm-hmm. I'm still relatively young, and so I think I still have a few more years in me and just see what we can do. So. Oh wow! Now, so you've been so it hasn't been terribly long so far. It's less than a decade, and you've already won. Now, how many how many Ironmans have you won now? Uh, I've won two Ironmans: Wisconsin and Canada, mm-hmm. um, and then I was second at uh, Lake Placid, where I became the U.S. national champion that uh, year in 2003, I think. And then I was just second at Malaysia. So I've had a lot of uh, in injuries throughout the years, some broken bones, some stress fractures and crashes and things like that. So it's been a challenge, and, it, and that's why I went back to work this last year, just because with crashes and things and, and with a family, it was, you know, I don't want to put all, all my eggs in one basket and with the frustrations of getting hurt and stuff, just trying to learn balance and, and mm-hmm. learning how to um, balance a, a real life, a, a family and supporting a family and, and, and trying to make a living. So... You know, I went back to work, and it helped out because it it relieved some of the focus that I was giving uh, as far as the sport. So I wasn't thinking about it all of the time. I would I would do my workouts and do my training, and then I would go to work, and I would forget about you know the sport. And, and even in my workouts, I would think about work a little bit, so it wouldn't <laughs> be too serious and too focused. You know, and so I just learned to go back to enjoying the sport and and going back to why I started racing and just because I loved it and it was fun, so and it's worked out. So I went into Canada relaxed and, and working part-time, and, and it worked really well, so I'm trying to stick with that and trying to keep a good good focus on, on uh, a balanced life, and hopefully it will pan out again this year for me. So. Oh, incredible. And now you kind of come from a family of triathletes. Your brother Matt is pro, and, and uh, Paul is uh, amateur, but he's pretty formidable himself, and he um, is actually the founder of TriFuel.com, which is a huge triathlon website. So uh, do you guys ever get together and not talk about triathlon? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not very much anymore. Uh, a little bit more when, when Matt lived here, um, where I lived. He used he used to live close by, as well as my brother Paul. We all lived in the same area. But slowly, one at a time, they moved up to uh, Bend, Oregon. So now they're both up in Bend, Oregon. I'm still down here in nor- Northern California. So we don't get to see each other as much as as we used to or or as much as we would like. But uh, we do see each other at usually events and, uh, you know, holidays and stuff like that. And usually we talk about triathlon or we talk about family and it seems like we talk a lot about my son because he's mm-hmm. the uh, center of attention <laughs> so well rightly so he's absolutely adorable we're going to have to get a picture up so everybody can see just how gorgeous he is so um, and, and with his parents that's obviously why he's that good looking so <laughs> um, um, and uh, I have kind of a strange question for you what's the craziest strangest most unexpected thing that's happened to you to race Strangest, most unexpected thing. Um, <laughs> nothing really. Well, I, I mean, I guess the first thing that comes to mind are some of the challenges that I've had at certain races. For instance, uh, Malaysia. The uh, craziest thing was for me was at 13 miles into the run, 
my legs basically felt like they would after running a full marathon. Like they were pretty much shot, and I could hardly run. Uh, each each step was really painful. So at 13 miles, I was like, "There's no way I'm going to be able to finish this race, let alone run another mile or you know, more two miles." And so for me, it was just one step at a time, and I just kind of focused on each each step and just getting from one aid station to the next and trying to keep up and, and not lose too much time to the guys that were behind me. And so I ended up, you know, finishing and getting second. And so that was pretty amazing to me just because I didn't think that I was going to make it. And so I was, I felt really blessed that I was, you know, that I even finished. And I was really sore for a long time, for a week or two. <laughs> um, could hardly walk. But, uh, yes, yeah, so I guess that was the strangest thing that's happened. I don't know if that really qualifies, but as far as in my book, it was something that was unexpected and, and kind of surprised me, you know, the, the length that you can put your body through if you kind of shut off your mind, I guess, or... <laughs> Or stay really focused, one of the two. So. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, something's looking out for you out there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, do you have any superstitions or anything like that about, about your races, anything you do every single race? Or? Um, my wife would probably say so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I do. She always says that I do. But, um, I, I, like I said, I try to stay pretty relaxed, so I don't. You know, I have a routine. You know, I have certain workouts that I do before an event, you know, kind of the same lead-up uh, the last three days, the last two days before an event. And um, in the morning, I usually like to listen to music, but I don't always listen to music. But you uh, usually have something to mellow me out or get me focused or, or, or get me away from being nervous or, or anxious. Um, but, uh, no, actually, I don't think I... I think I, you know, set up my bike a certain way or something like that, but I try to just be really relaxed. So for me, it's like another workout, so I don't really focus on, on one thing or, or one area that I'll sort of du- duplicate each time I'm out there. So. Sorry, I don't have all these great answers. <laughs> no. I'm not, I'm not superstitious, and I haven't had something crazy funny happen to me in an event yet, so soon <laughs> maybe. Oh no, these are these are great answers. I, I, because finishing um, the the at the caliber you finish is just it's a, it's amazing that you uh, are able to to maintain that level time after time after time. So yeah, I'm, I'm I guess I'm trying to figure out how. It, I mean, is it all in the training, or is it good genes, or kind of combination of the two, or what would you um, say? Probably a little bit of all of all that. I mean, there's there's definitely the focus. Um, I think the things that I've learned is the balance uh, of trying to make sure you enjoy it and you, know, you don't have to do too much in training. You know, I train you know 25 hours a week or whatever, but you can get away with a lot less. Um, but I, yeah, I, and trying to take the time off. You know, once a week taking a really easy day um, or an off day, so making sure you get in the recovery. And then just mentally staying focused and staying committed to your goal and, and what you set forth, you know, going out. So for me, when I go to a race, you know, I have goals of where I want to be and, and what I want to do. And so when I'm out there, I kind of shut off everything else and just go as hard as I can. And, and sometimes it works really well, and sometimes I've had, you know, bad races where I've gone too hard or whatever or I've just not felt good. And mm-hmm. so you don't really really hear about those because I'm usually in the back or something. But uh, <laughs> I've been really blessed to to race well at the ones that I've 
uh, started Ben at and, and had some good results. So I think it's, it's a little bit of luck, a little bit of genes, a little bit of staying focused, a little bit of uh, staying healthy. You know, you, you, as far as can be fit without being healthy, but mm-hmm. I try to be fit and, and, and healthy because I think it all transfers over. So you seem like pretty, a pretty laid-back racer, but, but also kind of laid-back in, in the way uh, you, you kind of view life, I guess. Just kind of take it in stride, and um, does that, is that accurate, do you think? Um, yeah, I would say it's, it's pretty true. Uh, I think my wife thinks that I should be a little bit more, <laughs> <laughs> more serious and, and uh, you know, focus on things. But, you know, at the same time, I'm really re- relaxed and, uh, and laid back, and I take things in stride. But at the same time, I think I'm, I'm focused and, and um, strive to be the best in, in what I do, if it's in sport or if it's in work or or family you know that's mm-hmm. that's my goal i you know i fall short sometimes and and i do my best but um that's that's what i'd like to as far as do is just you know be the best of what whatever i put my mind to and 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 whatever i do but sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but i, I <laughs> tried and usually if you're relaxed about it and when you win you try to be uh, you try to, as far as be grateful for it, and you don't take it for granted. And if you don't win, you you just kind of say, oh well, and and learn something from it, and try to be better from it, but don't let it, you know, beat you down. So I that's, guess that's kind of my philosophy. That's really great advice. Um, what what kind of things do you do for fun? Like, you know, maybe in the off season or just on the weekends or. Um, for fun, spend time with my son. He's, he's a lot of fun, so um, I enjoy doing that. Uh, he always makes me laugh, and he keeps me running around. In the off season, I love to surf, so I love to I love to stay in Hawaii as long as I can and, um, and get some surfing in. Um, you know, going places to to relax and kind of unwind and forget about the sport a little bit. So, but I don't play golf and don't play tennis or anything like that. I have, but um, I'm more, more, more or less just kind of hang out with family and just relax and really not do much. Just kind of eat, eat, eat bad food and <laughs> eat a little bit out of shape. So. Yeah, do you gain a lot of weight in the off season? Probably not, but um, I do. I gain. I mean, not a ton. I gain probably like five or ten pounds, maybe at the most. Um, and then during the season, it just kind of starts. Why, uh, withering away a little bit. So <laughs> you got to keep an eye on it. Oh, and you have a, a coaching service in addition to everything else that you do, don't you? Uh, yeah, I, I I put that up on my website. I do I do a little bit of coaching. I really enjoy it, um, but I find that coaching takes a lot of time if you're going to do it right. And mm-hmm. so um, I offered it because I really enjoy it. Um, but the way I do it is is try to be uh, as hands on as I can. So I don't have a lot of clients. Um, actually, uh, I only have one right now. Um, so far this year, last year I just had two, and I, I enjoy it just because it just um, I like to see the success that that someone else will have, and and being a part of it is exciting. So um, I do offer it, but um, I used to coach myself, but now I'm being coached by Lance Watson from Life Sport, mm-hmm. and uh, he's. He's helped me out and keep me focused, and so I don't have to worry about or stress about what workouts I need to get in or or, or how to structure it. So it just takes the the thought process out of it. So now I just 
go on his website and, and it tells me what workouts I'm supposed to do that day and we talk, you know, uh, on, a, on a weekly basis and email and, and so I enjoy him as a coach because it, it helps him perform well without having to stress about, um, you know, the training and the workouts that I need as far as to get in and it just takes the, the thought process out of it. <laughs> well, with everything else you're doing, that must be a huge relief. Yeah, yeah, for sure. sure it's really easy just to wake up and look at, okay, this is what I'm going to do today and, and not have to worry about structuring something myself. So it's nice. Okay, well, I'm going to let you go back to your son here, but uh, the last question I have for you is what what advice would you give to um, anybody out there listening as far as getting into triathlon or, or um, how to handle triathlon and, and uh, all the demands that life has uh, along with it? Uh, biggest advice is what I mentioned before. Oh, <laughs> no, that's cute. I'm getting excited. Um, yeah, the biggest advice I would give is probably um, balance. Um, just trying to keep a good balance in your life, and and the training is important, and the time that you put in the training is important. But you'll be surprised how well you can do with uh, with little training. So I'm not saying you know go out and do a triathlon without training much, but just stay in the focus that you don't have to train every day and, and you know, wake up at four in the morning like I hear some people as far as do or, or, or train until 10 o'clock at night. You know, if you have something going on, um, you know, as far as for me, I try to keep a balance and if there's a family activity coming up, then sometimes I'll skip a workout and usually it works out and, and the rest is always good. Great. Okay. Well, again, um, Chris, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. I know you have so little of it, so uh, thank you very much, and uh, good luck at Wildflower coming up, and uh, Kahuna will catch up with you there and do part two of this interview, so we really appreciate your time. Thanks again. You bet. Thank you. Wow, well, that's uh, St. Christopher with his uh, beautiful cherry work and uh, his attitude and everything else. What a, what a great story. Yeah, he, he just has it all together. He's got the big picture um, taken care of, and he um, is able to, you know, kind of go through life sort of stress-free. So definitely we can learn a lesson from Chris. Oh, no kidding. I need drugs to do that, and he just does it, <laughs> does it naturally. Uh, all right, it's time for uh, Coach's Corner. What's What's up this week? Yeah, this uh, this week we're talking about um, some tips to go from uh, some sh- shorter course races to uh, the longer course. Um, what are some adjustments you need to make and uh, that kind of thing to your nutrition and training? And uh, obviously, you know, go longer, but uh, uh, there's a little more to it. So let's let's find out. Cool. Okay, we're back again with my coach, Greg Mueller, and uh, Greg, this week we're going to talk about Half Ironman. A bunch of the crew here is going to Wildflower, and uh, it's been rumored to be tougher than an Ironman. It's uh, the hardest Half Ironman in the world from uh, what we're hearing, so um, if somebody's gone from a season or two of uh, basically nothing but sprints and and maybe an Olympic here and there, but they've never done a Half Ironman, um, what would you advise them to make sure they incorporate into training and uh, how long should they they give themselves to prepare? Um, and then, uh, what, how does your mindset change going from the shorter races to uh, to the big half Ironman? Okay, uh, I think it depends first what climate you're coming from uh, in terms of how long you need to prepare. Because obviously, if you're in California, it's more optimal 
and you have more time to do base building. And if you're in Indiana, then you need to spend more time doing some strength training to be strong to compensate for that time that you weren't training. But I would say um, that in 16 weeks, someone who is carrying some fitness over could have an A race at a race like Wildfire, which is certainly a very challenging course um, due to the hills and the temperature. Um, so those are things that, that really require you to be really strong. And normally in a half Ironman, uh, endurance can get you through and you're sure to finish with the ability to do each of the sports. But showing up there with just the ability to do each of the sports likely wouldn't be enough because the bike course is so hard that you uh, step into a half marathon with a lot more fatigue that you're trying to manage. So um, my recommendation is that people start to acclimatize uh, their body to exercising for um, five, six hours, seven hours, whatever it's going to take them to do that in terms of metabolism and just being in um, perpetuum um, and exercising, not moving. And so really running results in a lot of breakdown requires a lot of recovery. Uh, but cycling and swimming are something that you can do um, and not have as elevated of a heart rate and get cardiac drift as you start working out for longer your heart rate goes higher with running where in cycling and swimming you can uh, get a little bit longer of a workout um, certainly not in terms of time with swimming but you might be wanting to swim 4,000 yards which could take between an hour and two hours with the doable and you could still go on and exercise where really if you ran 13 miles that would probably be all you want to do that day so to the point um, you might want to combine some swims and bikes that are lasting, say, four hours and get used to uh, just being out there moving for that long and see what your body will accept and what your body's going to welcome in terms of uh, nutrition and uh, speed, heart rate, power, perceived exertion. So come race day, uh, you can apply that to the different course or the wind or the heat. I think sometimes people get excited uh, when they start going up a hill and they feel like they need to go faster when if you have a power meter you'll see you just keep your effort the same and um, keep your breathing the same keep your perceived, perceived exertion the same depending on what your goal for the race is just practice that so that when you get there you know you can exercise for that long and uh, you get to the run and you've been able to run 13 or 14 miles and you've done some steady tempos um, you want to be able to run off the bike and so having that confidence that you have run that far um, should give you the ability to run off of like four hours of exercising or racing. Okay, so was I on the right track then when uh, uh, I did Steelhead last year and I was so paranoid that I wasn't going to be able to uh, go the distance that we went up and did the whole swim and then did a whole bike and uh, ran off the bike maybe three, four miles a few times and uh, that made me feel a whole lot better come race day. Yeah, I, I think that that's uh, certainly important, um, but specifically for a race like Wildflower or something that's really challenging, um, you want to be doing that to have confidence to get through a race that you don't know you can get through. Steelhead, while it's a challenging course, I think that a good coach could structure your workouts to give you gradual confidence and build you up to that point without actually having you go the distance because going that distance can also break you down. So mentally, you're feeling really confident, but physically, 
you've already done this a couple times, and it takes a while to prepare and recover for a half Ironman. So I wouldn't recommend that people go out and do the course like that um, all the time. I'm just specifically citing something uh, as challenging as wildflower. If that's one of their main focuses, they better make sure that they're strong and they can exercise that long. Um, something like steelhead, it, it's important to yeah to piece things together, but I wouldn't. Um, but I think that steelhead is certainly a more doable course than wildman. I can uh, wildman. <laughs> I, I, I'm concerned about people um, having their first race uh, at wildflower, the first half Ironman, because it's really like we said, it's more like an Ironman. So um, it's an entirely different race in that regard. Okay. Now, see, and you're um, my coach brand new this year, so I wish I would have had you around last year. I wouldn't have right. to, <laughs> had to do the, do the miles. <laughs> um, well, I'm doing the race again this year, so I think I'll have a better approach right. with you on board here. So, And then uh, for everybody going to Wildflower, um, do you have any uh, last-minute advice if this is their first half Ironman? Uh, just be um, be ready for the weather conditions out there. They've had some really severe conditions. Make sure that you have gloves and foot warmers, um, you know, toe warmers, and you have uh, arm warmers and knee warmers, stuff that you can take off real easily, um, maybe a rain jacket. You don't want to get hypothermic or hyperthermic out there and find yourself in a worse situation than you already are by racing for four, five, six, seven hours. Uh, you want to make sure that you're going out there and you're prepared for any conditions, uh, you spent all this time training, all this money with coaching. Just make sure that uh, that you're totally prepared for what you're going to need to do if conditions are like that. All right. Okay. Well, Greg, thanks a lot, and we really Absolutely. appreciate your advice again. And uh, back to Kahuna. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's go to my favorite part of the show which is uh, Tri-Life Lessons. This is where Iron Will fuses uh, her philosophy of life and triathlon into one uh, gorgeously written uh-huh. and spoken uh, segment. So what's, uh, what do you got for us this week? Um, this week, uh, we kind of talked about it earlier in the show, um, going back to Heartbreak Hill with, uh, with Steelhead. Um, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, the first part of that race, actually, you know, 90% of that race was, was amazing. And uh, last five miles, boy, that, that's where it all comes down to, uh, to the truth of, of the matter. So um, I guess these are some of the lessons I learned and uh, hopefully um, mistakes I won't make again. All right, here we go. feel the wind through my hair as I pass by and smile to everyone who thought they'd seen the last of me. I want my time, so I'm coming to get it. It's in the last five miles, the whole thing. That's where it matters. Everything else was easy. Sneaky. I never saw it coming. Yeah, I was cocky. And it broke my momentum because I wasn't ready. And even though I crossed the line on time, I left something out there. But this year, I'll be back to collect what's mine. Don't get me wrong, I have no scores to settle with that course. 
I have bigger fish to fry. But something was dropped and I want it back. Because in five months, I'm going to need that piece that carried me almost effortlessly over the first 65 miles. So I'll go back to where it started. I'll jump from the pier. This time, not so wild-hearted. I'll be calm. Things will be clear. And I'll chat it up with the waves I haven't seen for a year. From the water, I'll run again that sandy climb. And on the ride, can't say I'll lie about also being tired of the girls struggling at check 25. See, I felt fine. And this time, these hills will be technicalities. I just want my last five miles. It'll end when I see the bridge. Then I'll know. I'll remember where I dropped my fight. I'll gather it up and tuck it away, and I'll smile, and I'll be whole. And come the finish line this time, there will likely still be tears in my eyes, but a different kind. The ones that come from getting a job done the right way. I'm circling back so I can go on, knowing I left nothing behind. Wow, well, that was great. You need those tough races to um, to, to learn your lessons, you know. And, uh, yeah, the, some of the advice, my, I think the best advice, uh, the best advice that my coach has um, given me so far is uh, don't expose yourself um, until the last 100 yards of the race. And no, you sicko, and I don't mean like... What, don't wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what? I knew, as soon as, I knew as soon as I said it, it was going to get all screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> into man speak, but uh, uh, no, don't expose yourself to the race, like emotionally, until you know you're you you have the finish line in sight, because uh, otherwise it's just too taxing. So to, keep, uh, keep an even keel. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I should say that from now on keep instead of uh, I gotta remember who I'm talking to here. Yeah, I usually expose <laughs> myself right at the finish line. I guess that's what he's saying. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> emotionally. Uh, oh, oh yeah, of course. That would make that would make a, uh, a fabulous um, final shot. Don't you think? Final oh, finishers photo. Wouldn't that be great, Iron Man? <laughs> Everybody's watching live. Like your parents are watching live. <laughs> Pull a brave heart. You take all your clothes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that won't happen. But, so. All right. Well, well, this is um, this has been a great show, don't you think? I think so. This is this is a. This has been exciting, so I'm I'm glad that uh, we got to talk to so many cool people, and I'm glad my voice held out for the rest of the show. It's yeah, totally about yeah. to go. I, I love the wildflower theme. We got to do a um, very soon. I don't know if it's next show or, or down the road. We got to do a um, Iron Man Wisconsin theme, sort of you know all oh. about all about the course, all about the race. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe we can get Stu in on that one because he lives on the course. So. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Well. Um, it's uh, it's time to say goodbye. Oh, it's that time again already. Yeah, okay. It went quick. 
Well, everybody, um, this is what? Kona, what was it? Show number 12, wasn't it? This is the Dirty Dozen. This is uh, oh. got a dozen under our belts. So. Wow. Next time it's the Big 13. So lucky, lucky number 13. But see, no, 13 is like weird for me because it... Uh, it's like 13 is lucky for me for some reason. I don't know. 3 and 13. I'm a, You're very I'm a, contrary. I'm very, I know, I'm very contradictory. How does know. Mr. Ironwell live with you? <laughs> very carefully. <laughs> I guess. Man, you're a complicated woman. <laughs> complicated, so complicated, I'm simple. Like, uh, Which uh, is the opposite of easy before you twist that into a million I, wrong I, things. I, 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 <laughs> I think if we listen to this tape, it's not my mind that is twisted. I think I'm just, oh. just, uh, just, just here to keep you on track. Yeah, hanging around you too long. Bad influence. All okay, right. so let's get out of here. Okay. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and uh, tune in for the Lucky Show 13 next week. Until then, this is Iron Will signing off. This is the Trike Kahuna saying aloha and mahalo. And it's that time again for the business section of our show. This week, Get Your Geek On is sponsored by Nepsa for all your web hosting, domain, and design needs. Nepsa is your solution. Visit nepsa.com or call 877-99-NEPSA. For comments, suggestions, or sponsorship inquiries, or to submit a soundbite for our next show, visit the sidebar of trygeekdreams.com or through th3wall.com for more information. Get Your Geek On is a production of Iron Geek New Media. And, Will, we do have additional sponsorship this week. We have um, Robert Mod- Maldonado, who gave us a very generous donation that we're going to put to the, uh, the new Triathlete Scholarship Fund. And then we have uh, Pat in Canada, who did uh, some great tech work for us this week. So um, thanks to both Robert and Pat for uh, being part of the, the uh, team here. And if you want to help uh, either sponsor a, a, a newbie, triathlete or if you want to help uh, keep the show on the air uh, uh, or on the internet I guess I should say um, you can go to either one of our, our websites and we have PayPal buttons and we'd appreciate uh, even the smallest donation it helps it helps a lot uh, to keep us going so we'd appreciate that and if you'd like a token of the Get Your Geek On show visit getyourgeekon.spreadshirt.com for authentic logo apparel